minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. After a week off for the 4th of July holiday, we are back on the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings here from the Mass and Web Studio. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon. Hopefully you're watching us live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel. And if not, you're catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. You can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Amy, it's been a week. We both went on vacation for the holiday. How was yours? It was good. So I went to um, Cleveland and then Pittsburgh. So I went to Progressive Field and then PNC. Wow. It was my first time at PNC. And, you know, PNC gets a lot of hype. Um, and I liked it. It was really nice. But they, they had an off day that Monday. So I spent the 4th of July just in Pittsburgh. Cool. Um, walked around, saw some things, made some friends. There were a lot of Yankee fans in town. So it was kind of crazy. Yankee fans everywhere. Um, but, yeah, that's how I spent my 4th. Where did you go to the beach? Yep, got some uh, good beach time in. Fourth uh, of July is my is my yearly off week for the for the baseball season. People do Memorial Day or Labor Day or Fourth of July is my family. We've, we've always gone to the beach for Fourth of July, so that's just our thing. Uh, so got some good beach time, got some good bay time. Uh, got a buddy um, friend and listener of the show, my buddy Tom, got a bay house, so uh, we went there, Ooh. got to go there for a day and enjoy the nice weather. We had great weather here. Was but it really? It's usually really steamy mm-hmm. um, this time of year, and knock on wood. I mean, we're just like not. Today's a little humid, but we're not getting that as much humidity but, so far. Yeah. Thank God, which means we're gonna have a miserable August. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we just had great weather. It was great to be by the water and the sunshine, just kind of relax, just watch the games instead of having to work right. the game. So yeah, and then um, right, right when I got back, you know, it was work two games and head out to Atlanta. I was down in Atlanta for the weekend. Um, for them, they got swept. It wasn't a great series for the Nats, but it was still cool to be there. That's another ballpark off my list. Yeah. Uh, Truist Park, which is pretty cool. And what did you think? It's really nice. It's not, it's, um, to be honest, like if I'm going to put my fan cap on, it was kind of annoying uh, <laughs> because the uh, Braves are celebrating their World Series still. And uh, I say that because, like, look, gross. good, right. Well, good for you. Like, you should. You yeah. won the World Series. It was just annoying because the Nats never got that chance. Mm-hmm. They're doing, there was like, Hour, hour and 15 minute rain delay on Friday night oh, yeah, those. and the, the Braves were just playing their World Series video like you on know repeat? you know like that <laughs> the DVD you buy that like you know it's like I think it's produced by MLB whatever somebody narrated yeah it, somebody know. narrating it shows like all the dramatic like up, you know, up leading up to the World Series and then every single game all the highlights and stuff like that it was very dramatic and it was just like this is annoing yeah. I don't like this Where's the I get one? that so yeah. You know, they got the decorations everywhere. The in-host, in-stadium host is always saying, you know, the World Series champion Braves. And, like, again, as they should, they won the World Series. It was just it hurt because the Nationals right. never got that chance in front of a packed crowd. And, you know, it was, like, kind of tough because to, you know, they sold out every single game. There were, like, 40,000-plus, which is, you know, that's I what happens when you win a World Series. I think and, there's always going to be kind of a sort of, I don't know about bitterness, but, like, they never got yeah, that. You can't, good, yeah. And you can't ever redo it. Disappointment. You know, they've, yeah. yeah, they've done some things, you know, in the past two years to try to make up for it, yeah. you know, but it's never the same because it's not the next season and right. you're not really, you know. Obviously a tough situation. And it's not their fault, of course, but right. it was just like, dang, the Nats could have had this two years ago um, to celebrate their World Series. And that would have been really cool to have all the fans in, in there and packed house all the time. 
you know, everything outside the stadium is decorated in World Series clad and stuff like that. Does that stadium kind of remind you of Nats Park at all? Have you been there? Yes. Okay, so does it remind you? Uh, like almost, I don't know about like the actual stadium. Maybe like yeah. just the modern feel. Very modern. Kind of. I mean, what, it opened in 2017, so it's very new. It's massive. It's huge. It reminds me of what Nats Park is becoming right now in terms of there's a lot going around yes. in the area surrounding it. Yes. The only difference is that Nats Park, of course, is actually in, in D.C. and down to in the city. Truist Park is just outside Atlanta, like 20 minutes outside. Mm-hmm. So you, it is not commuter friendly, I would say. Did you have to Uber? I had a rental car, so I, I drove. Oh, I drove myself. Okay. I was like, I'm not doing Ubers back and forth. Just give me a rental car. It's like complete chaos trying to get an Uber. Exactly. So that's that was my fear. And that you know, kudos to Mark Zuckerman giving me the heads up, like, hey, don't Uber there because like you have to go, you have to walk like 10, 15 minutes yeah. away from the park to get to get an the Uber. Uber. So I was like, all right, I'll just take a car, and that was way easier. That was smart. I stayed downtown. That was cool. I think it was kind of near one of the campuses of Georgia Tech, which was which is cool. Um, but yeah, no, it has that feel because it's very modern. It ha- they, they're building around it. There's a lot to do around there. There's like apartment complexes. There's restaurants. There's bars, yada, yada, yada. But it is hard to get there mm-hmm. if you don't live in that area. Right. So it's not as easy as that. There's no – actually, I don't know. There might be. I don't know. But there's no, it doesn't seem like there's like a metro to get no, there or easily right. – you can get dropped off like a block away from downtown from an Uber or something right. like that. So listeners, remember that if you ever take a trip to Park. Either Chiris stay – I don't know what that <laughs> – it's like unincorporated, like Cumberland or something. I don't know. Stay out there by the park, or if you're staying downtown, get a rental car, mm-hmm. or give yourself enough time to Uber there because the it's a pain. Park. It will yeah. be a pain. Um, so yeah, so that was a good trip. I mean, it was a good holiday week. Glad to back. You know, pretty uh, pretty j- jazzed. I want to say for the second half of the season, we've got uh, this week leading up into the All Star break. Of course, we're going to talk Juan Soto and Josh Bell today. Um, and then we have the draft on Sunday. We'll have a sneak preview of that at the end of the show. Um, and then three weeks from today, Mark Zuckerman wrote it on MassSupports.com today, is the trade deadline. That's, of course, going to be another big day on the Nets calendar for this season. Ooh. And then we're two, two, uh, two months away from the end of the season. It's pretty this crazy. It's going to be a busy like next two weeks. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit crazy. We'll, we'll talk about it later, but I, I, I got to say I really hate the draft oh, I don't like it at all. on the Sunday night before the All-Star break. During the, I, I, I get it. I get what MLB's trying to do, trying to put it on the spotlight. But then that takes – I mean, it just, you're just putting too much in one. Like you have the Futures game Saturday now and then the draft on Sunday and then home run. It's just like you're drawing too much attention to different, many different directions, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. But like I think they should – like today, maybe today, they should have done like – the day after the All Stars announced and Home Run Derby's announced, like the Monday should be like a mutual off day for all of baseball, and then the draft starts today. Oh, okay. And then you have the draft leading imp into, into the All Star break. instead of during it, because then it's just like, well, for us, selfishly, we're just like, so, we don't have an All Star break now. Right. That, that's a bummer because for us. It's, yeah, it's complete chaos during got, the All Star. Yeah, we got to cover the draft, <laughs> the draft, which is three days, and then the Home Run Derby, Juan Soto's in, and now and then the All Star game, which is you know Juan Soto's gonna be playing in. So it's just like a whole bunch of things. But like, I think it just kind of takes away those kids, especially the guys get drafted in the second and third round. No one's gonna be paying attention because everyone's gonna be watching the All Star stuff. No, I agree. So I and it's, it's a not disservice like, to them. I do. Yeah. If their if their point is is trying to build up both, like. I think you could make the argument that maybe a ton of people don't pay attention to all-star games and maybe they'd watch yeah. the draft, but also that's not the point. Right. You know, Major League Baseball is trying to get people to be more engaged in the all-star game. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't like it either. I, they should be separate. I don't know how long it'll last. Hopefully not too long. Yeah. They did it last year and it, it was tough. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, 
it's exciting. This is exciting for us because the Nationals haven't picked this high since they oh, picked Anthony Rendon. Right. So it's exciting. Like, number five overall pick. That's cool. But it's just like how many people are actually going to be like tuned into that, you know, on a Sunday night, like. You know, Sunday night's a very, like, people want to go out or spend time with family and not really want to be home. two around. rounds the first night. Yeah, and then, you know, you I mean, it's a full day of baseball. If you really love baseball, sure, it's a good day, but you got a 1 o'clock game, one thirty game on Sunday, and then, what, a four-hour break, and then the draft? It's just like, hey. Yeah. It's just, I, I think the draft deserves its own day, day. time. I agree. Separate from the All-Star yep. break. And not on a Sunday. Make it like a Monday, you know, make it like Monday night prime time or something like that. that I think that would be cool. Um, all right, but let's enough. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Let's talk about what we wanted to get into today. We're also going to talk Cade Cavalli and Darren Baker being named to the Futures game on Saturday. We'll touch on that a little bit. But the main thing we want to talk about is Juan Soto being named a National League All Star. Josh Bell not. We found this out on Sunday afternoon. Juan Soto once again heating up at the plate, leading into the All Star break. Um, he's riding a twenty game hitting streak. Oh, sorry, on base streak, not hitting on base streak, which is I think now. The longest active streak in the majors after CJ Crone went 0 for 4 uh, yesterday and didn't draw a walk. So he's heating up, and he, this is the ones. This we saw this happen last year, Amy. Where I, I wrote about it on MassSports.com sometime mid June. He just started hitting really, really well, and then went to the All Star break. Obviously, did the home run derby, and then second half was just unbelievable. Put himself back in the MVP race and finished runner-up. Exactly. We've been talking about the first half of the season. You know, Juan Soto has gone through spurts of struggling a little bit by Juan Soto's standards, of course. But in July, he's gone 11 for 24. He's hitting 458 in July. That's compared to his overall 243 batting average in his 85 games this season. So he's definitely heating up. But regardless, you know, through the whole season, he was still drawing his walk, still Mm -hmm. doing, you know, Juan Soto-like things. And, you know, he's the superstar on this team. So when it comes down to it, um, you know, they they have one representative like they have to. Right. It's going to be Juan Soto. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about when we get move over to Josh Bell, that kind of rule. But, yeah, Juan Soto is the obvious superstar. You could argue he's the face of the sport right now or at least one of the faces of the sport. Um, even when he's having a, you know, so, so, if you want to call it a down year, and by his standards, like you said, um, he's still – worldwide known as Juan Soto. So, you know, it's him, Otani, probably Trout, Acuna. Um, and then you go to pitchers, it's like Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, those guys. So, yeah, he's going to be included. If the national, if, if And MLB made these decisions, right? It's not like the players don't like him and didn't vote for him. It's not Brian Snitker who doesn't like him and doesn't want Josh Bell there or picked Juan Soto. MLB made the decision. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to pick, you know, the guy that's on all of their posters and all of their commercials and stuff like that that's I'm bringing attention to the sport. So yeah. it, it was kind of a no-brainer there. But like you said, heating up. Last 15 games, he's hitting 409 with a 1271 OPS. He went 9 for 18 with two homers, four RBIs, and five walks um, over a five-game hitting streak this past weekend, uh, starting, I guess, Wednesday against the Phillies. Um, just – and Dave Martinez said after one of the games, he's like, I, I don't know what it is about this year. It, maybe it's the weather, but, like, you know, we go – to places that aren't always hot, but he just starts seeing the ball better. And you mentioned the walks too. I asked Juan about that, and he's like, "It's sometimes frustrating because I want to hit, I want to collect hits, and you know, hit home runs, hit doubles, drive people in, but I don't get pitches to hit. So 
I had to like kind of remind myself that walks are good too. Mm-hmm. And then putting a guy on base for the guy behind me who, except for Sunday, has been Josh Bell, the other hottest hitter on right. this team, if not hotter than Juan. Um, so like he's got, he was like, I got to like pace myself and remember that I, I, walks are good too. I can't rush myself at the plate. And that's, I think that's what we're seeing right now. And we kind of maybe saw this a month or two ago where he did seem like he was pressing a little bit. I feel like we talked about this and like, cause he, he was drawing his walks, but he also wanted to collect hits. And it seems like now he's way more calm at the plate. Okay. With taking his base when he can, but also okay. Driving the pitch, the one pitch that he gets. in Right. I mean, his walks are a big reason why he gets on base so much and why his OPS is an 871. You know, even when he wasn't necessarily hitting, it's because he's drawing walks. He has 73 walks, which is the most in the majors. Kyle Schwarber is the next closest in that he's at 52 walks. So, you know, not even within 20 walks. So, it's he in seeing the ball, I think, is seeing the ball better because there was a streak there where Juan Soto, I mean, he has one of the best eyes in the big leagues, yeah. and there for a stretch, he it, he was pressing and he just wasn't seeing the ball the way Juan Soto usually sees the ball. And uh, to, to that point, too, also, like he's striking out less. There was a time, I think, at the beginning of the season where he, the walks to strikeout ratio was closer than we've ever right. seen. Um, Juan Soto have he, he he walked 57 times and struck out 46 times over his first uh, 70 games of this season but over since then he's walked twice as many times as he's struck out right. and that's a great sign for him the other good sign too is we saw twice this weekend is him going the opposite way or center field Davey Martinez talks about that all the time going center field opposite right. way both of his home runs this weekend went to center field and left yep. field. Sarah Langs of MLB.com pointed out that he, since the start of the 2018 season, Juan Soto is tied for second in the majors with 40 opposite field home runs, second to Aaron Judge only. So when he starts going center field and then to the left as a left-handed hitter, that's how you know Juan Soto seeing the ball well, as well as taking his walks. Yeah, and I think, you know, getting hot leading up to the All-Star break is kind of like, oh, is this a really good time? It's kind of scary. Yeah, but him being selected to the All-Star roster is a good thing. And, you know, choosing to participate in the home run derby, I mean, that's, it's not like he's going to have a week off and, you know, things, you know, True. you know, he's going to have a chance to play. We know what the home run derby did for him last year. Right. So I think that's only a good thing is that he's heating up and he's going to have the opportunity to play over the next week where I think some guys might heat up right before the all-star break and then come back and it'll be a complete reset. He hit 46 home runs during the uh, home run derby last year. He was eliminated in the semifinals to Pete Alonso. Um, but after the home run derby, after the all-star break, he slashed 348, 525, 639 for an 1164 mm-hmm. OPS over 72 games in the second half. And he walked 87 times to just 41 times. So, yeah, we talk. people always talk about how the home run derby ruins hitters' swings because you're trying to loft the ball so hard, trying to hit it with all your might instead right. of, you know, maybe takes away that situational hitting type mentality. For whatever reason, it helped Juan Soto. And, and it, yes, Coors Field obviously is a hitter's park. The ball flies out there. It might not fly as fast in Dodger Stadium this year, but for whatever reason, I think you're right. I think the more thing, the more important part is that Wanso just stays in a rhythm where he's mm-hmm. taking BP on. Uh, I guess he'll take it Monday and Tuesday of the All Star break, hit home runs, get a couple at bats in the All Star game. Uh, he's not a starter, and then you know they're right back at it Friday. So it's like he gets only really one day. Well, two, I guess two days. Well, you do a travel day, one day off. He'll probably work out 
you know, hitting the cage, and then we're back at it on Friday. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, some guys probably don't want to participate in the All-Star Game right. or the Home Run Derby. I mean, as far as, you know, your swing goes in the Home Run Derby, but, you know, it's like the only time you really get a break the entire season, right. and it's like, you know, come on. But a guy like Juan Soto, it's like it's he kind of feeds off of these type of scenarios, and, you know, that's why everybody says he's – so good for the game you know because Mm -hmm. i think he does well in these situations and i think he only grows from situations like this where he's put in the spotlight and he can be you know the young flashy star that he is and if you look at this i mean this is gonna be an exciting home run derby if you look at this field juan soto is joining pete alonzo the defending champ who is just an absolute tank i mean he is we saw last year hard to beat because just the way he's built and how strong he is I mean, and we talk about all the time. The home run derby is an endurance challenge, if anything, oh, because yeah. you have to swing as hard as you can for Over multiple rounds for so long. Right. Yeah, and quickly too. It's not like you get extended breaks. I mean, between um, like rounds you do, but not in between so, swings. Right. So it's not like normal BP. Um, so Pete Alonso is built for this uh, event. Ronald Acuna Jr. announced that he's going to participate, uh, making his second trip to the derby. Legend Albert Pujols is going to do it. I saw people getting upset that Pujols is doing it, which is like. Get out of my face with no, that because that's, that's be awesome. really awesome. Yeah. Um, even if he's eliminated in the first, it's just, he's 42 years old, and he after he last time he did it was seven years ago. It's it, cool. It, it's it's very cool. It's what he's he's retiring after this season. He's a legend. He's a future Hall of Famer. Let him have his fun. Um, and then Kyle Schwarber, a former National, who was you know just destroyed the Nationals last week in Philadelphia and has been one of the hottest home run hitters in the league. That's going to be – well, last year was a good home run derby because you had the good story with Trey Mancini. These are also then, all National League players, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And then Pete Alonzo, I mean, just absolutely crushed it. But you look at this lineup this year, it might be even more exciting. And I'm one of those people that I, like, I don't get into the all-star game. I don't really get into the home run derby. Mm-hmm. But last year was exciting. Yeah. And, you know, you look at those names, this year might be exciting too, especially since you have quite a few, two, three – young names on that yeah. list and i think that like i always compare the home run derby to like the slam dunk contest in the exactly. nba where like my attention is based on who's doing it mm-hmm. these are all superstars and future hall of famers these are the faces of and the, people are the gonna sport. tune in just to see albert pujols right <laughs> that's just great and that's what i'm saying you know you've got young guys in acuna schwarber soto and Alonzo doing it, and then you got Albert Pujols doing it with a couple other guys still to be named. Um, so I, people, I, I, I agree, people will tune in just to see Pujols, and then people will tune in to see all these other guys um, in you know one of the most exciting events that the t- that the sport has throughout the calendar year. Uh, and you know when you got years that guys have to be kind of forced to do it, stuff like that, it's not as exciting. But when you have stars like this who want to do it and are like actively deciding to do it. I think that makes it way more exciting and, and pretty cool. Right. Um, so good for Juan Soto to do it. He was kind of he- he was kind of hesitant whether or not he wanted to do it. Davey always said too is like, I leave it up to the player. Like I, I asked him I was like, do you want Juan to do it? Because like knowing what happened last year, like are you? Is it like it's weird? Because like, are you trying to push him to do it or are you pulling back because you want him to get some rest? And he was like, it's up to him. It's up to he knows his body. If he feels like he needs rest, he won't do it. If he feels like he's good to go and wants to compete, he'll go do it. And it's also gonna be cool that Davey's gonna be there, named right, to Brian Snickers' staff it, to watch it. Yeah, I think that makes it even more exciting. And I think that's why it would have been cool if the Nationals got two guys in and Josh Bell would have made it right. too. You know, Dave, knowing that Davey Martinez is gonna be there. And so um, we'll talk. Let's talk Josh Bell real quick. Um, was he snubbed? I mean, he's not included on the roster. I, his numbers suggest he is definitely worthy 
of an all-star appearance. Um, but the problem is that the National League first base side is just so stacked. Yeah. There's so so much depth there. Pete Alonso, of course, one of them. Paul Goldschmidt's the starter. And then we got to get into, like you mentioned earlier, every team needs at least one rep. The Rockies really only had C.J. Crone, and he's got to make it so the Rockies have somebody there. There's no one really else they could have picked to represent the Rockies on the National League squad. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. You know, Paul Goldschmidt and Pete Alonso, of course, totally makes sense. But then you look at C.J. Crone being really the Rockies' only option there, and then, you know, that that first base position is is just so deep. But if you look at Josh Bellum's numbers, if you've been watching him, if you've been watching baseball as a whole, you would think that Josh Bell deserves this. He he leads the team in batting average at 304, hits and doubles, and he's second among National League first basemen in batting average and on base percentage. The only category where he really falls off a little bit is OPS, and he he's fourth among this list of first basemen that that made the All Star game. And it was interesting interesting that Josh Bell when people talked to him about not making the team did he think he deserved to make the team he said he pays most attention to OPS he mm. thinks that you know has the most value when selecting these players and that is where he falls off a little bit but still fourth yeah. <laughs> and still above a lot of these guys in other numbers yep and uh, he's also for the sabermetric guys out there he's third and weighted on base average and then weighted runs created plus too so among first basemen in the National League so he had a very strong case and you could probably argue that he should have deserved it over Crone. It's just the rule state that there has to be a Rocky there, and that's the, really the only guy that would have made it. Right. And the fact, I mean, probably the fact that the Nationals are struggling this year goes into it as well. You know, only having that one, you know, having to have that one representative as opposed to two guys making it. And then, yeah, you throw in the fact that Josh Bell plays first base. There weren't any more openings there. Yeah. It just, if he played another position, he probably would have made it. But... Yes, true. And this might be a situation where the universal DH might have hurt him because there are DHs in the National League now to select. to rep- Before, because the, the All-Star game always had a DH, so the, the National League was able to select like an extra person somewhere to be the DH or to fill that spot eventually. But now there are designated hitters to actually select from in the net. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. So there are options for that. Right. There are people like, like Nelson Cruz who are pulling out of other positions. Right. There's a specific position pool to pull from for the DH. Whereas before there was, you could pull like Josh Bell might've made it this year. Probably the next guy on the list. Right. Josh Bell might've made it as like a DH or like, you know, we could carry, uh, for first baseman and have one of them DH when when we needed to get a you know to get him in the in the game, um, but you also mentioned the DC market. I saw someone saying that like playing in DC maybe hurt Josh Bell in that instance. And I look, I know the Nationals are are not good. They're record wise are, are bad, but this is still a top market in the country. You still have a superstar in Juan Soto who you can make the argument Josh Bell has been hitting better than. I don't think playing in D.C. hurt his chances. It's definitely a step up from Pittsburgh. I, yeah, I don't I don't think it's necessarily playing in D.C. Like the market, I think it's just how the, the team, team is, is performing. Different. Because, I mean, like look at the Yankees. They have six representatives. Right. I think it's similar. I mean, it's, it's the All-Star game. It's half, three-fourths of popularity contest. True. You know, what is good for the game of baseball? And I think sometimes guys like when you look at their actual numbers, get snubbed that are really better players. Um, but 
I think it does have to do with somewhat of what your team's, perf- what the performance of right. your actual team is. And I think that's where maybe Josh Bell playing in D.C. Um, kind of led to that a little bit more, maybe. So you're, you're basically saying that. Not the market, but the performance of the team. Right. That a 30 and 58 <laughs> team doesn't deserve two home, Worst two all-stars. record in the National League, yeah. Well, I wonder, I wonder, I've not looked it up because, you know, didn't do a deep dive in the all-star rosters, but I wonder which of like the non first place or even below 500 teams have the most also like it's probably two right like right. I, maybe the angels trout and otani yeah that's probably it mm-hmm. um but and yeah those so, are yeah two I, names I, that are i see that point stars, right yeah. exactly i i see and otani's was you know is elected as a pitcher ndh which is crazy <laughs> um but yeah i can see your point like a, a team that is this far below 500 sh- I shouldn't have two all-stars. Right. Like, a, do you really have two all-stars on that team? Like, if you're that bad? The now? numbers? Yeah, but the numbers say that yeah. Josh Bell should be. Oh, I agree. I mean, he, he, he is got statistically... snubbed 100%. Yeah, statistically yeah. one of the best first basemen in the league. Not just go. all of it, just the National League, which is, of course, how the all-star game is determined. So, it's, you know, it's... T- you know, if he makes it, if the Rockies have name Somebody Joe Smo reliever, right, right or, or starting pitcher, or... Out, uh, outfielder that you know was hitting you know they don't have those anymore in like Ole Mayhew or Story so it had to be this guy Crone um, if it's not him Josh Bell makes it mm-hmm. um, probably the other thing I was thinking of too is like you know the manager was gonna be Brian Snicker who was across the way this whole weekend and saw Josh Bell and Juan Soto all weekend right. and Josh Bell had a rough one game but I think he collected hits and, and at least two walks in another game mm-hmm. um, so it's you know he saw firsthand that oh this this guy probably should be able to go right yeah he uh, it's just I, the, it's, the way the roster is restricted you, and you it's hard. you could see it coming yeah I mean I think yeah. I you could see this coming Juan Soto was going to be the Nationals representative and yeah I think the only way is if Juan Soto wasn't this hot leading into the All Star right. and even then I can see them picking him over Josh Bell mm-hmm. like if he doesn't have this twenty game on base streak if he's not hitting a couple of home runs. He's actually hitting more right. home runs than he did last year in the first Not half. hitting 458 yeah. in July. <laughs> yeah, right. And an OPS over 1,000. He's probably not getting it. Or it's probably easier to make the argument for Josh for sure. Bell over him. But, but he got hot he at the right time. Yeah, he, which, which and he does. And it's Juan Soto. Yeah, which he does. So are we setting up? So, all right, wh- where do you want to go right now? Do you want to go Juan Soto second half, or do you want to go Josh Bell trade deadline? Ooh, let's get a Josh Bell trade deadline. All right, three weeks from today is the trade deadline. Josh Bell, and also, before we wrap up the All-Star game, I mean, there is still a chance Josh can go. Injuries do happen. You know, God forbid, we don't want anyone getting hurt, but they do happen. Uh, the Mets, I mean, I'm not saying Pete Alonso specifically, but they're in a tough uh, series against the Braves this week, so, you know, it's not like they're going to be cakewalking through their All-Star break. And then guys just choose not to go. I haven't heard anyone do that yet, but like, look at Anthony Rendon in 2019. Just didn't want to go. So that happens. So right. reserves are sometimes needed. So it's not completely over for Josh Bell. It's definitely possible. Yeah. He'll I, still be there. I do kind of miss the last vote thing that they used to do. Remember, like, they would have like a five oh, guys yeah. that, that everyone was, could vote for, yeah. and you would have teams from the other league like rooting for each other. Yeah. Uh, I kind of miss that. Anyways, three weeks from the trade deadline, Josh Bell, one of the hottest hitters on the Nationals, maybe in the National League. All-star or not, he's having a great season. We saw the complete difference from last year when he you know, missed the first couple of weeks due to COVID issues. Now he's having a full season, and he's looking every bit the part that the Nationals traded for two years ago. Um, is he their biggest trade chip? 
I mean, we'll obviously talk about this more as we get closer to August 2nd, but right now it's kind of worth noting that he's hitting really well and we're exactly three weeks away. Absolutely their biggest trade chip. I mean, he's really their only option of getting like some solid guys yeah. back. Not that, you know, any reliever that's doing good leading up into this week is, is going to be gone. I think they hoped that Nelson Cruz at this point would be their biggest trade chip. But Josh Bell yeah. has done his part the first half of this season he is their biggest trade chip. And so the question remains then, is he going to be your first baseman of the future? Or exactly. are you going to send him off and, and try to get some prospects back? And I think at this point, you have to trade him. I mean, I, I think probably fans don't want to hear that. I mean, even Mike Rizzo, I think it was this offseason sometimes, he, he had this one press conference that really kind of threw me off, where he talked about Josh Bell and how he saw Josh Bell with the Nationals in the future. And... I kind of forget exactly what he said, but it kind of threw me off because it really made it sound like Josh Bell was going to be here. Like that was their plan. Um, but I think at this point, the way your team's going, I just don't think it's realistic. He's also like, yes, he's kind of a liability defensively. He has worked on it really hard. He's doing better, but he's still not one of the top defensive first basemen in the game. So it's, you know, I think it's going to come down to, do they get an offer that blows? I mean, it's obviously the case for a lot of trades, right? But do they get an offer that blows them away or that they have to say, we cannot pass this up? And then also, if you don't get that offer and decide to keep him, then what is the range you're willing to extend him? Exactly. Because you can't let him walk after this season. I, I think that'd be a mistake. You got to get something for him or extend him for a long period of time and let him be the first baseman for the next couple of years. Extending him, of course, gives Juan Soto protection in the lineup for the next couple of years. Maybe shows him that you're willing to continue to build this team at the major league level instead of just the minor league level for the future. Um, but you're right. He, he's their biggest chip. He's And with the universal DH, you know, he could go to a team that already has a good first baseman and be the designated hitter if he's not as good defensively. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, he's had a good enough year where teams are definitely going to be calling. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be – I mean, it's possible, but you don't get a good enough offer. It's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, why deal him for, you know, a little bit of nothing? So the offer does have to be good enough, but I think he's playing so well – that the offer is going to be good enough. Yeah. I think there's going to be something on the table that makes them want to pull it. Two-way street, though. Who maybe people, maybe teams won't want to give up top prospects for Josh Bell and would rather give up lower prospects for Nelson Cruz. True. So, and, and that's definitely, you know, a part of it. And also, and like you mentioned, talking about Juan Soto and building around him and giving him protection in the lineup, what does he think? If yeah. you, I mean, I, he probably sees it coming that they're going to be huge sellers and get rid of, their best guys because that's what they have to do at this point but what does he say you know when the next best hitter yeah is gone i don't think they're gonna be huge sellers mark kind of touched on this this morning on on the website on his mm -hmm. blog on his entry I, they're not it's not like last year they don't have a max well, they just don't have that right and so the, i they're gonna be sellers i don't think it'd be huge I, I think you can see bell probably cruz cruz i think is almost a sure thing just because his contract they might have to eat some of his money, but, um, you know, it's just why keep a 42-year-old around for the second half of the season when someone could probably use him for a playoff push. Um, you might see... Relievers. I, I bet you Carl Edwards Jr. and Steve Shishek will get calls. Mm -hmm. You may be Tanner Rainey and probably Kyle Finnegan, too, but those will probably have to be offers that blow you away. Um, and then Bell and Cruz. You got some couple of veteran infielders, but if you trade them, I don't know who comes up and fills those <laughs> spots. So... 
I, I, it's not like last year where it's com- a complete blow up. We kind of know who's going to be exactly on the table. And it's the rosters, yes, yeah, going to look different on August 3rd than August 2nd. But it's not going to be as drastic, I think, as it was last year. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's fair. They can't be huge sellers in, in the aspect that they don't really have any huge names right. like they did last year where, yeah. It would be interesting to see because the rest of the National League East is pretty much in this playoff hunt right. even the marlins in a wild card hunt so it'll be interesting to see if they decide to they trade do. within the division mm. I, I don't think they will i wouldn't devour mike rizzo but if the mets come with an offer for nelson cruz that you just can't turn down do you do it or do you just take the lesser offer for somewhere else i don't know it'd be interesting to see not if you're bobby bobby wouldn't do i it. don't do it i don't like uh, helping he doesn't out. mess around in this division nope, i don't like helping around my rivals that's not my game um all right well uh of course we'll have complete trade coverage yep. after we cover the draft and uh, that'll be end of the month but um let's move on to continue some continuing with all-star week kate cavalli and darren baker are named the nationals representative for the futures game kate cavalli Probably an obvious one. His second straight, he was named last year and, and pitched pretty well. He touched like 100 miles mm-hmm. per hour a couple of times out of Coors Field. Uh, he took a perfect game, five and two-thirds innings into his last start. He's actually going to be starting Tuesday night for Rochester before he heads out to L.A. Um, is Cavalli turning a corner at Rochester, do you think? I think so. We hope so. We hope so. I mean, um, he's definitely pitching better. But yeah, better. You, you, you mentioned that last start, last Wednesday, seven shutout innings. He only allowed two hits and did have a perfect game, like you mentioned, going into the sixth inning. And over his last 39 innings, he's 3-0 and with a 2.31 ERA and 41 strikeouts. So that's a lot better than you saw his overall performance. He's 4-3 and on the season with a 4.54 ERA. So his last, you know, four starts – have been a lot better than we saw the first ha- the first part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's the key right there is is going to be the consistency part. Mm-hmm. That's four in a row, which is really good. I do think that the one, maybe two before that stretch, he got roughed around a little bit. So people asking for Cavalli to come up and make a start for the Nationals. He was maybe under consideration to start this Wednesday against the Mariners because he did just pitch – uh, last, what you said, Wednesday? Wednesday last Wednesday, yeah. yeah. So, and you know, the off day for the minor leagues, he's used to kind of that extra day of rest, anyways. But the Nationals had off, so Eric Fetty gets to start on normal rest. Um, I I don't see the point in rushing Cade up at right now. If the net, to be blunt but also <laughs> fair, the Nationals are bad right now. They're forty and thir- <laughs> sorry, th- I wish they were forty. They're thirty and fifty-eight. No, Bobby. <laughs> Almost twenty, almost thirty full games under five hundred. What, what, why bring him up right now? I, four starts in a row has been good, great to see. We like that. Do it four more times um, after the break, and then and then we'll have this talk. You, I don't need him up right you now. You can't being your top prospect, right. being your closest to a sure thing of yep. being in this rotation of the future your own guy developing what your whole plan has been, you can't blow it for, you know, a random spot start. Or even if it's not, you move him up, you know, permanently, right. you can't rush him. We saw what rushing him kind of did when you moved him up to AAA last year. Yeah. Um, you take your time with the kid. And they said that they want him up here the entire time or for a couple of starts, right? They, once he's up here, he's going to finish here mm-hmm. in Washington. You don't want him to come up, make a start, and then be off for two weeks of the all-star break you know so it's like let him pitch 
on tonight against at Rochester, let him pitch a couple of innings in the Futures game Saturday, and then they'll go right back to Rochester and pitch sometime next week while the Nationals are off. So that'd be a weird timing to bring Kate up. My guess right now will be sometime in August, probably after the trade deadline, where I don't think anyone from the rotation is going to be dealt, but you know you might get some tired arms in there, and you can bring him up to make a start and then fill in a spot. I mean, you got Paulo Espino in there right now. He's been kind of He's been little. He's been good. I mean, he's been Paulo Espino. That's what he's yeah. been. He's been fine um, <laughs> in the rotation. He's been actually a lot better in, as a reliever. So you can fill that, and you don't know what you're gonna get from Strasburg the rest of the season. So you could fill kind of a hole with uh, Josiah, Patrick Corbin, Eric Fetty, Kate Cavalli. Um, unfortunate news on Jackson Tatro and, and Evan Lee so far. So, but that's probably the time where he fits in best in this rotation. And you get hopefully four ish, five ish. Good more starts at AAA. Right. And the the optimistic news, I think, is that these it's been four consistent good starts. You know, he would have, like, a, a random really good start here yeah. or there, and then he'd get blown up. Yeah, blown yeah. up, you know, the next two outings. So the good news is he's had four solid starts back-to-back. And so that's, I think, your best sign of real progress with him. Do you think there's any chance that he doesn't come up this year? Yes. Actually, I do. I do think there is a chance. I don't. I think there's a the chance that he comes up is greater, but it's not a zero percent chance he doesn't come up because I agree. Like we just talked about, you know, if he has he's done he's done four in a row. But if he you know gets hit around for you know six runs in two innings tonight, that's just a sign that he's not re- ready yet. I mean, mm-hmm. and again, there's no point in rushing him in this season, twenty twenty in the year twenty twenty two. There's just no he only pitched one full season last year right let's get him a full season again at AAA this year I think that's a good start for him a guy that just started pitching in college he didn't have a 2020 year he's at the alternate site the entire time I there is a small chance I think I mean I, it's unlikely but I would not be completely shocked if he never came yeah up. you're with some guys I think it could get to a point where it's almost discouraging you know you yeah. wait and you wait it's like come on like let me up but yeah. I don't we're not even close to that point with Kate Cavalli because it's still, I mean, he sees the results, you know, right. he knows he's still developing really because he's a young pitcher, you know, he's still in the early days of his pitching career. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we're at that point yet. And I, I agree that there's definitely a possibility, definitely he, a possibility. he spends the whole year in AAA. And yeah. I, I think that's fine. I think that's fine too. But I do think though that his chances skyrocket in September mm-hmm. to come up and make, because I think that'd be a good way to introduce him, give him a couple starts in the major league level before the end of the season. And then, then he's competing for a rotation spot in spring training next year. Yep. I mean, I think he'll be, he's going to be doing that anyway, even if he doesn't appear at the major league level this year. But it would be probably nice for him and maybe easier for him if he does get a couple of major league starts under his belt before next year's spring training. Yeah, so. exactly. And then you have Darren Baker, who spent this season in high A Wilmington. He's hitting 272 with 14 doubles, 22 RBIs, and 10 stolen bases. He is, of course... Dusty Baker's son. We know him from the World Series with the Giants all those years ago. The Nationals actually have drafted him twice now. Um, here's the thing about Darren. He's having a good year. Cannot knock him for that. Like 272 average. I mean, he's not a power hitter, so the power numbers aren't there. He's placed mostly second base. It's the the I don't want to say it's a problem. The only maybe knock against him, he's 23 years old, played in college, and has not passed high A yet. Yeah, and he's a tenth round pick. Tenth round pick of a 
Wait, was he drafted? Yeah, last 20, year's. 21, of a 20 yeah. round draft. Right. Does it worry you at all that this that he was a selection in, in the futures game? No, 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 no. It doesn't worry me. It, it's it's surprising, but also not. Because the way this works is major league teams submit a list of prospects they'd be willing to allow go to the game. That's how it works. So it's like, you know, if take the Orioles, for instance, who have a, tons of top prospects. Couple of them, they're not letting right. them go to the game. That's why they only have a couple of going. I think maybe only one going to. Yeah, only one to the futures game. But they have guy. They have probably have five guys that are, oh, if that not are more, qual- that are more qual- more right. than qualified. But they just said no. I mean, you've got, yeah. got you're trying to give pitchers rest. You're trying to map out the rest of their seasons. You're trying to map out maybe when you're calling them up. Right. Um. So the Nationals made a short list probably of guys that they would allow go. Cavalli, of course, was on there, and Darren Baker was on there because he, he's having a good year. For an infielder, yeah. that's a pretty solid year, um, but only at high A. And so, you know, he's going to be going up against a lot of triple-A guys, double-A guys. I'd be interested to see if he even actually plays in the game. I'm, I'm right. sure they'll try. I think with Dusty, his dad, Dusty Baker, managing the American League team in L.A., I think this was kind of a let's do it for the story type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he's not deserving stat-wise, but I think – if you take his last name off of it, he probably doesn't go. I, yeah. Un- un- no, I that's agree. not a knock to Darren, but that's. I, I that's agree, but it is a cool story. It is a very I mean, cool story. It'll be cool to see them both there. Um, good for him. He's not a top thirty prospect in the national system, which is not even a top system. So it's like, he, <laughs> I, I think was it is it Keith Law who writes for the Athletic and covers in the minor leagues. He wrote kind oh, of a, yeah. a column about who were definitely hits and who were questionables. And Darren Baker was like the number one questionable. Why is he going? And it basically said it's because of his name. But maybe he'll go there, he'll get in, and he'll prove everybody wrong. Hey, that'd be great. I think that'd be, and look, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, the Futures game is fun, too. Like, it's just like the All-Star game. It's not like they're going to compete for a trophy or anything. It's, it's supposed to be fun. Right. And so have Darren there. you're playing with guys maybe you're going to be playing against in a few years in yeah. the big leagues, you know? Yeah. And it might be a good experience for him. I mean, like we said, this might be the closest he's going to – Get this year at playing double A ball, right. <laughs> so maybe he needs a, a and some a, a guys challenge. rise to the occasion. Yeah, you know. And we saw what happened in spring training with him delivering the lineup card to his dad when the Nats and uh, Astros played at uh, the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. So maybe something they got something similar planned where Dusty's going to show up in the dugout and, and sub him in or something like that, or pin, or send him out for a pinch hit or whatever it might be. So that'd be kind of cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, but good for Darren. Uh, good for the Nationals having two representatives uh, for the Futures game. That's going to be on Saturday. They actually moved it to Saturday of the All-Star. So they're, extend- they're expanding the All-Star week into a weekend where they already have Major League games. But whatever. Um, so that'll be Saturday. I think it's live on Peacock Saturday night and then restreamed the next morning. So, you know, if you got Peacock because you wanted to watch that one Nationals game <laughs> where Jackson Tatro shoved against the Phillies, then keep that subscription because then you can watch uh, <laughs> Kay Cavalli and Darren Baker on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, Sunday is the draft. We'll have full coverage of that from right here from the Masson Web Studio on Masson All Access. Amy will be hosting. I will be contributing. Um, and then after that, I'll have coverage of the rest of the rounds of MassonSports.com. Amy will have some more coverage, too, on Masson All Access. We'll have a podcast, of course, talking about the Nationals' number five selection in the draft. Trade deadline coming up. A lot coming up. It's going to be a busy <laughs> next 
three weeks, at least three weeks, and then we'll be uh, kind of uh, into the last second half, our second uh, last two months of the season. So it should From be here a, on out. It's like, fun, yeah, it's fast. It's for but these, it's the, what it's the most exciting part of the season, right? Yeah, we've been looking forward to the draft all year. Actually, since we knew they got the number five last year, mm-hmm. uh, highest of the pick since Anthony Rendon in 2011. So. It's, it's an important pick, too. we got to talk about how important this pick is. So we'll have all that coverage on Mass and All Access on the podcast, which, of course, you can get on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. You can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Tune in every single week live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thanks to Brendan Mortensen for producing this particular podcast today. At Amy Jennings News on Twitter for Amy. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco at Mass and Nationals across the board. We'll see you next week for draft coverage. 